Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols, and on today's episode, we have part one of my conversation with Will Noth. If you hang out on golf Twitter like I do way too much, you'll know him as at Free Willy. He's a PhD student who is specializing in statistics, and what specifically got him on my radar was that he played in the Byron Nelson PGA Tour event, and also he knows a ton about golf and his curiosity about the game and how he thinks about improvement and in building skill has really just piqued my own curiosity about him. He's a great player who's played in a PGA Tour event. He's very thoughtful about golf, and that's basically all I need to know to to get someone onto this podcast. I believe the way that he thinks and discusses things in these conversations can directly help you play better golf through improving your mind and how you think about the game. But before we get into this episode, if you feel like you need one-on-one work on your mental game, that's what I do. Yes, I host this podcast, and I love hosting this podcast, but my actual occupation is working with players all over the world on their golf psychology. If you like this podcast and the topics that we cover on this podcast, this is the exact type of stuff that I work on with players. So if you'd like to take the next step to improve your mental game, then send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com or visit my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. All right, let's go ahead and get into this conversation with Will Noth. Hope you enjoy. So, uh, how you been lately? Oh, life has been uh, crazy. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> finishing year one of the PhD and uh, doing doing the PGA Tour event and, uh, you know, my old team winning the national championship and then watching Rose win, like, all in the last, like, three weeks. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so it, it, the way it sounded was as of Friday, last Friday, you would be kind of done for the year. Is that? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it was a qualifying exam. We get like three tries to pass it. Um, you have to take it once when you get to school, which is kind of dumb in my opinion, but they use it as a diagnostic. And then, uh, yeah, and then we take it at the end of the first year, and if we don't pass it that time, we have to take it. Um, we have to take it before the beginning of the second year, and at that point, you better pass it. Mm, okay. Yeah. And what is it? What is it supposed to be telling you or telling them? Uh, it is what's called the core competency exam. Okay. Uh, so it's like the the scope of the test is super broad. It's like. I don't know. It's basically all of statistics at a master's level. So it's like not as difficult as the PhD classes, but it's still like a lot of material. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, the scope is enormous. So yeah. that that's the real challenge at that exam. Okay. And I'm assuming you passed it. We'll find out. Oh, okay. You yeah, don't know yeah. immediately. Got I, I don't even know like what the passing score will be. Okay. Because they, they sort of, take everyone's exams so there were seven of us that took it i think um they take everyone's exams everyone sort of looks at all the questions they assign some point values but it's loose 
and then they just sort of decide who passed and who didn't. Okay, it's um, not entirely subjective, but it has a little bit of subjectivity to it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No, no, it, that that part was tough. And I had, yeah, I had final exams like like within the immediate days after after playing on the PGA Tour, which is just like, <laughs> Yeah. No, like like Rose is doing the same thing right now. I was talking to her uh right after her first round. She came off the course and immediately was just talking about like two things. How she didn't want to hit it in the water off of number one and how she was stressed about finals. <laughs> two ginormous like one uh really like golf nitty gritty thing and then one like I'm stressed about my that's crazy to have those yeah. two on your mind at the same time. Yeah, but it's like, but even the golf nitty gritty one is just so like, that's so normal. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, man, that's but, crazy. So if, if um, I mean, obviously your your Twitter bio tries tries to do this, but like if you walked up to somebody and, and they said, hey, like during the Byron Nelson, let's say, yeah. if someone said, hey, so what do you do? Like, what, what are you about? What, how would you say it? What would you say? Uh, that's, you know, it's a question I'm still figuring it out. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been fluid my whole life. Uh, right now I just say I'm a, I'm a PhD student statistics. Uh, I can sometimes play golf, you know, can hold my own. Uh, but you know, statistics is my thing and, uh, within statistics, uh, so far my research has been in interpretable machine learning. Uh, so that field is like, you know, I, I feel strongly about it because I think, uh, as modeling becomes more advanced in the future, like we're going to end up in situations where people need to know how the models work, you know, for, for things like, uh, diagnosing when things go wrong, right? Like if self-driving car crashes, you need to know why, like you absolutely need to know why even for like the the legalities like the the court cases that are going to come out of it you need to be able to figure out which car like malfunctioned you're like you're gonna have to figure things out mm. uh so i think it's it's a really important field uh and i like it because it's it's like very intuition based so a lot of it is you know a lot of what i've done is designing model structures designing model architectures that uh sort of are going to be inherently interpretable so a lot of that is just like a thinking game like how am i how am i gonna model this situation how i'm gonna how am i gonna use like new technology to do established interpretable techniques like things like that um yeah so that's sort of the statistics side uh on the golf side i'm just an amateur golfer who likes playing golf uh happen to be okay at it and you know, I just play in whatever I can and try to do the best I can. But more than anything, I just, you know, it's it's my therapy. You know, I, I love just going to the golf course and trying to hit a perfect golf shot. I'm still waiting on it. <laughs> so do you. Um, so. Maybe you could simplify the uh, statistics thing and say yeah, yeah. Be, well i mean i'm i'm not 
near as smart as you and never will be. But um, when you when you say this is what I'm currently doing, this is what I currently enjoy in five years, what could you be saying? Okay, this is what I do now. Like what how how mm. can you use what you do? Like what is the job that you would like to be doing with what you do now? So that that's a question I really don't know the answer Got to. It. And mm. and that's like everyone asks me, like, what's your plan? What are you gonna do? Of course. I I like what I've been saying, uh, you know, the last couple months, what I sort of landed on. This is my line at the Byron. I've never been a real big plans guy. Yeah. Like, it, like just over a year ago, I would never have guessed that I'd be ever playing in a PGA tour event. Um, two years ago or, uh, no, no, like three years ago, I wouldn't have guessed that I'd be doing a PhD in statistics. Uh, two years ago, I would not have guessed it would be at Columbia. Right. Even geez, you know, it goes back all the way to when I was in high school, just nothing's every time I've made a plan, it doesn't work out that way. Mm. And I've found that like what gets results for me is just doing things that open doors and trying to do them well. And, you know, people give you opportunities. And if you, you know, if you do your best at them, you know, they'll, they'll keep coming. And I just end up being able to sort of do what seems cool in the moment. So I, I really appreciate that I've been able uh, like, I understand being able to do that's a privilege, uh, but that's sort of where I'm at. Um, I don't know what I enjoy doing well enough to project that far in the future. You know, yeah. we'll just have to see what sounds fun when I get there. That's cool. That's a cool perspective. And yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying. It's a privilege to be able to say, I'm just going to kind of live in the day to day and figure it out as I go. And if it's if it's great, um, then I'll do it. Right. If it's fun, yeah. if, it, if it sparks my curiosity, I'll just do it. And I think that's a good way to go, because if you um, if you're always doing what you like, if you're always skating to where the puck is going to be. Yeah, then, you'll never have the puck. Right. You'll never have the puck. Um, and, and that's not a fun way to live. That's a anxiety driven way to live probably. Right. Yeah. And, and it's also, so that side of it, I've definitely lived, um, you know, my, my whole life in like high school, what I was doing every day was I was like practicing violin after school for hours. And I was just trying to get ready for the next competition. Right. I was trying to get ready for the next audition. I would have a recital. I'd have a concert, whatever, going to a paid gig. I don't know. But it was it was always like I'm getting ready for something like constantly or like whenever I'd be practicing golf. A lot of it, you know, luckily with golf, I can separate the two because I like I would just want to be good at golf like on its own. And that like started very organically. Um but it was still a lot of like, we have to be ready for this next tournament. Right. Um, yeah. And then like in high school, like the only reason you try to get good grades is so you can get into college. Right. Um, and you know, you make plans about how all that's going to go, what major you're going to want to be, what job you're going to want to have after you get that major and you get to college and you're probably going to switch your major. Like, it's just that simple. So once I sort of had that realization, I was like, 
it's a lot more freeing just to, you know, see what's in front of me at the moment. Right. And then, you know, take it from there. And I can like, without intentionally planning, I can plan weeks, couple months in advance. And that's plenty just like in your head. You don't need to have like a 10 year plan of everything all the time because it's just going to break down. Mm. Yeah. You're, you're probably going to end up getting frustrated along the way. Like, well, I, I thought this would happen and then it didn't. I thought this would happen and it yeah. didn't. So uh, recently you, you posted on Twitter, I something like, I want to get good at hitting the golf ball again. And yeah. so how does that tie into, I, I don't want to skate to where the puck is. I want to do what's in front of me, but you also have a mind on maybe an eventual goal. Is that how you think about improvement in golf where I, I want to get better. And do you, do you think about, I want to reach this point. I want to get to this point. Do you think about it in terms of like positions in the swing or scoring average? How do you think about improvement as far as, um, trying to reach a goal or literally I just want in this moment to be swinging better in this way. How do you think about it? Uh, I just want to stop hitting bad iron shots to be honest. And like wild tee shots. Like I've hit a few wild tee shots recently. I didn't drive it great at the Byron Nelson. And that was honestly the reason that I shot what I shot. Uh, you know, stats say what they say. Um, but like my approach numbers and greens and regulation numbers were horribly deflated because I got in a lot of weird spots off the tee that, you know, I, I don't think I was penalized enough for my tee shots, you know, like second hole of the tournament. I was, I was, I had to stand in a baby pine tree in mulch and take like a one inch punch swing backward <laughs> up against the fence. <laughs> Yeah. Like that sounds pretty bad. Know, yeah. And that's like my second hole of my PGA tour career. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much I got penalized on that shot specifically, but whatever my total was, it didn't seem like enough strokes loss. Yeah. So, and even just hitting it in the rough out there is like so penalizing. Um, just cause they keep the greens just firm enough and the rough just long enough that you aren't going to hold it. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, I just want to get back to like hitting reliable golf shots. Like I used to, mm. and I think with, with the swing that I currently am working with, I'm, I'm happy with it. Like I did a lot of work on it over the last few years and, uh, in college it worked great because I could hit balls indoors often enough. Uh, that my positions wouldn't drift, uh, my timing wouldn't drift, you know, my, my pressures in my feet always like felt like in the right places. Right. And I didn't have to think about like balance. I didn't have to think about like stability. Like I wouldn't be coming out of shots or like every, every finish felt the same. Right. It was sort of like, you're in a groove with the golf swing right? You, you don't make swings that feel bad. Mm. Right. And yeah. now I've started making swings that feel bad because like things just drift just enough, uh, with how little I get to play now that I think I need to 
clean a couple things up just to be a little more robust in that sense. Uh, that way, you know, just my ball striking is more durable to a variable practice schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, and all of that, like the reason for that is I just want to hit good iron shots again. You know, yeah. I want to, when I stand over a ball, I don't want to be thinking about like too hard. Like I've, I've never eliminated the thought of like, I hope I make good contact, but I don't want to be stressing about contact. And I want to hit like flush shots that come off sort of in the right direction, but the swing feels comfortable, right? Mm. Like that's the key. Like the, the swing needs to feel like, oh, that was a good swing. And when I was rolling pretty much every swing felt, felt that way for a good, for a good, like two and a half years, I would say almost every swing felt like a good swing. Mm. Um, that's nice. yeah, yeah, but that's not the case anymore. So that's why I want to clean things up. So is it, is it purely because of the variable practice schedule, not getting to practice much? Is that why it's, um, is that why you're uncomfortable? So then if you introduced, I, if I'm just hitting more balls, I, and just get used to what I currently have, I will, uh, inherently feel more comfortable or are you making changes? So, so I'm making I'm making changes like what you said. The the first thing you said is like definitely true. Like that would work, but I'm not going to be able to hit more balls. You right. know what I mean? Right. So I, I could, you know, the golf swing that I'm working with now, honestly, like if I could keep up a full practice schedule, the golf swing would not be holding me back from being on tour. Right. Like the, the golf swing is, it's it's good enough to do whatever you want to do right it's just you know i think it requires a little more maintenance than than what i'm going to be able to put in that's all it is um yeah so yeah i just want to be a little more robust sure so so with your with your lack of um time with your variable practice schedule when what what would and I know you're kind of like just getting back into it with the PhD uh, year being over. How how will a week of golf look for you? What will that schedule be like? Uh, so right now, luckily, I don't have a ton else going on, but it's like, uh, you know, I'll I'll play like three four times a week. It takes me over an hour to get to the golf course, unfortunately. So that limits things. Um, typically, I try to get there 30, 45 minutes before my tee time. Uh, my club doesn't really have like a ton of practice facilities. So it's like I, I just hit a few balls to warm up, maybe a couple putts and then go play. And I just I just try to play as many holes as I can these days because that's what I enjoy doing. And I only have like a limited chance to do that. So I, I play as much as I can. Um, I do also enjoy practicing, but I would, I would not like be living with myself if I were like driving over an hour to the golf course, hitting a bunch of balls and then not playing like that would not work, Mm. you know? Yeah. So if you could um, just pick just one, you would play. And it sounds yeah. like you are picking. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, yeah. So my, my typical week, I'll, I'll go out there once sort of during the week and then either like Thursday, Friday, and then usually Saturday and Sunday. 
And, you know, I just play in normal games. You know, I'm just playing with like, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 handicaps, like all the time. Um, there aren't really any other plus handicaps around uh, at the club. So I'm not playing like hyper competitive games. It's, you know, they're all handicap games. So I get screwed. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just play that and I try to make as many pars and birdies as I can. Um, the golf course I play at is super windy. So I spend, I spend all that time like hitting all different shots. Um, so I'm, that's another reason why the technique drifts. I, I just have not hit very many stock shots in the last six months. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so my week of golf is, you know, it's scattered, uh, and it's playing and it's also like the most like variable type of playing. So that, that makes it challenging to maintain the golf swing. Mm-hmm. Um, during school times though, uh, it, becomes more like once or twice a week so we get fridays off of school uh so we have a four-day week mondays the course is closed so really there are like you know there are only three days that school interferes with the golf other than the work but you know i need to get my work done i need to take care of everything else here so it becomes once or twice a week during during the school year yeah sure so uh, do you have, and I, you know, this ties into the making plans. Do you have, like, I want to compete in this event. I want to be good enough to play in this event, or I, I have this qualifier schedule or, I mean, do you have a tournament schedule that you're wanting to play like this summer, for instance? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to build that. Um, right now, honestly, I've had way too much on my plate to sit down and make a schedule. I just like have not been able to think about it. So yeah. I need to do that. I might even do it today to be honest. Um, but I'm hoping to play in a couple Met section things. I'm hoping to play in a couple Long Island Go- Golf Association things. Um yeah, I maybe we try to get in a couple bigger events. I think I'm gonna try to qualify for the USAM. Um, but none of these are like huge goals right now because I just got to play in a PGA tour event. Like I can ride that high for a little bit. Uh, I'm, I think a bigger, like a more important thing for me to do the rest of this year is like get everything in order for in school. Um, so yeah, so this summer, my goals are more about like getting my exam scores to a certain point than getting my golf scores to a certain point. But obviously I say that and I'm totally still just going to be obsessed with my golf swing and hitting balls. Right. Of course. Um, yeah, but goals wise with, with golf tournaments, I, I have a loose goal that I don't want to drift too far away from plus five and handicap index. Right. Just as a marker, like just as a marker of like my game's not like deteriorating to something unrecognizable. Like even the difference between like plus three and plus five, like there is a, if you're like at that level, like you can tell there, there is a big difference. And, you know, I think I'm playing more like a plus four right now than a plus five. And it feels horrible to me. You know what I mean? It's like, I used to maybe know what you mean. Maybe explain what you mean. How can that just one shot and maybe it's probably pretty unrelatable to the audience, but maybe. 
there's something in here that's relatable. What do you mean? What's the difference there? Sure. Um, totally. So yesterday I was playing a, uh, I was playing a 465 ish yard par four that was straight into the inward wind. So me as hard as I can roast a driver on a kind of low trajectory still had 208 to the stick. Okay. It's long drive. Uh, yeah, no, Dep- no. I, d- despite. I, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I hit it. And the pin was back too. So maybe it was playing a little bit longer than that. I, I hit that drive as hard as I could and it yeah. went maybe 260. Yeah, that's So crazy. then I, I had to like, I didn't want to hit a three iron from there. So I had to try to roast a four iron really low to get it there. And, uh, you know, I haven't tried to hit a super like hard swing, low straight four iron in a while. So I hit this thing and it came off pretty flush and it started just left of the pin and started hooking and went over by the cart path. And I'm like, that's a kind of bad golf shot. I wouldn't like normally hit that. Right. But I just did. Mm. And I do that every once in a while now. And the swing felt funky. Like my Mm. hips were in the way, like not rotating properly. Like I was all like my perception was off. I just hit like kind of a, a bad shot that normally wouldn't come out. Those happen a couple times a day. And each time they happen, they cost me like a quarter to a third to a half of a shot of expectation. Mm. And it's like, you know, you do that a couple times. Like I can feel the quality difference that I'm hitting bad shots that I wouldn't normally hit. Uh, but score wise, like it only adds up to a shot. So like to, to an outside viewer, like you wouldn't really notice it. Like, Especially if you're, even if you're only like a scratch five handicap, like you're a really good player and you can tell the difference between like a two and a four handicap, but you wouldn't tell the difference between that. For me, it's just like certain shots, Mm -hmm. I hit them and I'm like a plus five, at least like with my skill distribution, like a plus five doesn't hit that, but a plus four might, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's really small margins when you're at that level. You're you're really you're the the your learning curve, you're very close to the flat part of the learning curve, right? Mm-hmm. So so um improvement is extremely incremental and it could just be this one drew 5 yards instead of cut 5 yards. Yeah, on yeah. A, on a very difficult shot and that makes a big difference. Well, it's it, it's also things like um does your driver keep coming off with the same shot shape? Like right now I'm hitting some draws and some cuts, right? Not intentionally. And some of them are big draws. Like the cuts don't get big, like the cut stays tight, but I'm hitting some cuts. Um, With my irons, I've hit some shots that like start at the flag and then just like start hooking. Mm. And like some shots that I start to the right of the flag and then they cut a little bit. It's like when, when I, when I'm grooved, whatever side of like zero on uh face to path, I want to be, I'll usually be that. Like I, I don't hit the double cross. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now yeah. the double cross comes out a little bit, like the dispersion is just a little bit bigger and I can feel how much bigger the dispersion is like relative to what I'm used to it feels ginormous. I think I said on Twitter, like it, like it after watching pros for a week and watching Rose Zhang play, like feels like the size of Texas. Like it, 
it really does. Um, but I still understand that like I can play golf. I can shoot like a few under par with that big dispersion. It's not costing me that many shots, but in terms of like quality of golf that I'm playing, it's a lot different. So when you're over the ball recently and you know, in the back of your mind, that could happen where a shot goes the opposite direction of what I wanted to do. How do you step up? It's not fun. It's not a great feeling over the ball. How do you step up and say, this is where I want to aim? Uh, you know, that it's a, it's a big challenge. Um, but you know, it's funny. One reason that hasn't been like a huge issue for me. Like I haven't gotten like mental or yips about like the, the double crosses or anything like that. Um, you know, it's funny. I've never been like a big exact visualization person, especially with like full swing shots. Okay. Like I have a place where I want to hit it and I have sort of like a feeling of like where I want it to, like what shape I want it to come in from. And then I just sort of like think that nebulously, like Mm -hmm. behind the ball. It's not like I'm picking out a start line and where I want it to finish and envisioning like, like I, I do envision a height I would say, but I don't explicitly do it. It's just like, once it comes off the club face, I'm like, oh, that's higher than I wanted it. Mm. Right. You know, it's it's more of like the the judgment after is always very precise, but I never like, you know, I never put it on paper, so to speak. You wouldn't so, see like a shot tracer in your mind. No, no, right? absolutely not. So like because because I keep that nebulous, I never you know, there are never like the receipts for like, I, I didn't hit that how I wanted. So it, it doesn't get as bad as quickly. I don't think. I see. So it's, it's not as concerning to you that, man, I wanted to start it exactly there and do exactly this. Yeah, no. Right. And no. after the fact, it doesn't do it. It's not like, oh my gosh, I was, uh, y- you don't beat yourself up because it. Yeah. Right? I mean. I mean, I still like, you know, understand the quality of golf shot that I hit. Right. And, and I can still also tell immediately at impact if it's what I was trying to do. And I do always like have something I'm trying to do, but I, I hate using the term field base, but it really is field base. I, I, I don't think that's a great way of describing it, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's connected sort of to the way that like I played violin, for instance, like, uh, when I was playing violin there, there are times when you have like a really fast run and when you're playing really fast runs, your brain doesn't have time to like in its stream of consciousness, compute every note, like one after another, like you cannot think about every note. It's impossible. Um, so I don't know when this started happening, but I noticed it. I think in like this, uh, like I find patterns in each run, right? I find like a little pattern in the run. And then I think in sort of a nebulous form of shapes, right? Like there's like a weird, there's like an abstract form of a shape that comes into my mind. And that tells me to go like one, three, two, that pattern for one octave of an arpeggio. And I just like think that shape shift, think that shape, and I can go straight up the violin super fast. 
by thinking this super nebulous thought. Hmm. So I, when I'm hitting a golf shot, if I, if I have like wind in off the right, I'm not thinking like, this is where I'm going to aim this shot for the wind to drift it this much, like this many yards. I'm calculating the miles per hour. It's more like, like I want this ball to hold a certain amount, but get drifted a certain amount. Like I, I, I have like sort of a feeling for how much it's going to fight the wind. And it's almost like a physical feeling of how much it's fighting the wind Hmm. that tells me the shape and the, and the trajectory. Right. And then I sort of have a feel for how hard I need to swing whatever clubs in my hand for it to do that. And so I never like say I'm going to play this shot like it's 168, but I'm going to play it 186 and try to make my apex at this tree, start it here and drift this much. That thought never comes to my mind. It's it's like a nebulous uh, uh, thought of like how much the ball is going to be fighting the wind. And then that just translates into when I set the club down like. I can feel whether I'm like the ball's too far back, ball's too far forward, too open, too closed, sort of try to put my hands in the right spot to feel like the the like sort of guttural feeling that I get from like imagining that golf shot, mm. you know, rather than an explicit in words thing. All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Will. I really loved how he talked about his game slowly drifting over time because he hasn't had a ton of consistent time to work on his game. That's definitely relatable to me. I know when I go play, it's not like night and day horrible. It's just a slightly off and I slightly don't know where the ball is going to go. And my swing is just that much a little bit different, you know, from like sitting in an office chair for for weeks on end, that's going to have an effect on your game. So I like the way that he talked about it and the way that he is going to address it for his own game. I thought that was really interesting. So definitely stay tuned for part two of this conversation with Will. We get into a lot more detail and a lot more golf specific stuff. A lot of this conversation was uh, obviously introducing Will to us but we get into a lot of really good specific golf details next time. So stay tuned for that. And as I always mention at the end of these episodes, what you've heard isn't therapy. It's meant for information and education purposes only. If you feel like you need personal help on some deeper things you're going through, I encourage you to talk to a licensed professional. But on the golf psychology front, if you feel like what you've heard doesn't quite cut it and you'd like to work one-on-one with someone, I'm a golf psychology coach. I work with players all over the world on improving their minds and their practice schedules and their relationship with the game and the way that they think about the game so that they can avoid this the the kind of things that we encounter on this on this podcast. That's what I do. So if you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com or you can visit my website, joshnicholsgolf.com. All right. Thanks again to everyone for listening to this podcast. Whether you're new here or you've been here since day one, I really appreciate the community we've built. If you've enjoyed this episode, go subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I would love it if you shared this episode with a friend. Okay. Thanks for listening to The Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and I will catch you guys next time.